safe sex. I'm Gwen Isaacs, a sex coach and educator, and it's been a minute since I've been here. And to be honest, I'm not really back yet now either. However, I was a guest on another podcast, and I thought y'all might like to hear that. It's kind of fun to be the guest instead of the host, and you might get some ideas about what it is that I do, or just enjoy listening to folks talk about sex. I don't know. In any case, I also wanted to give you a little bit of a follow-up on my absence. I believe my last podcast came out in July, and since then I had my left hip replaced, and... I moved out of an apartment and more full-time into another apartment, although I will still continue to go back and forth between Brooklyn and Vermont. I just won't be paying for an apartment up there. And that was all really exhausting. (laughs) So exhausting. The hip surgery went really, really well. All the doctors and the PT therapists and everybody's pleased with the way things are moving along. I, of course, am a little bit frustrated that it's not happening faster, but that's part of who I am, I guess. (laughs) And so I'm just doing what I need to do and stretching and walking and doing some yoga and, you know, trying to get my physical shape back to where I'm comfortable. But the move, oh my goodness, the move. It was six weeks of uh, drudgery, stress, overwhelm. Yeah, a lot of that. You know, when you pick up every object and you have to make a decision about it. In 2020, actually, I moved out of my big house and down into this apartment, so I've already done a fair amount of this, but... You know, going from an apartment in Montpelier, where apartments are reasonably sized, (laughs) to an apartment in Brooklyn, yeah, so lots of stuff went away, lots of stuff is in storage waiting for me to figure it out. I am still trying to figure out what to do with all my plant babies and how much light I need to get and tables for them that sort of thing and I'll still be going back and forth like I said plus there's more stuff that needs to come out of where it is in storage yada 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 but I miss y'all and I miss doing this podcast and I just want to dip my toe back in I'm really not quite ready to start putting out episodes yet I need to do some work on the tech side. I was not happy with the way things were sounding. And I'm actually considering getting a master's degree and learning some real genuine skills or something like that. Anywho, in the meantime, I have this wonderful episode hosted by Katie Ploss. Thank you, Katie. Her show is called Bitch, You Need to Hear This. And it's really fun. I like who she chats with and what her conversations are about, and I really enjoyed the conversation that we had. Hopefully you will too. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned after the episode. I'll come back and tell you a little bit more. Bitch, you need to hear this. 
hello hello and welcome to the bitchiest podcast in all of the land with your host katie p for this week's episode of bitch you need to hear this and i've got a good one this week my ladies and it's been a highly requested episode um for quite some time now so i am very excited that this is dropping for you all this week and we are going to finally talk about sex let's talk about sex baby and i have a sex coach on the podcast y'all been asking me for a while now and um i somehow made it happen so yay for me but also yay for you because (laughs) i'm excited you guys are gonna learn you're gonna get educated today um so my co-host today is Gwyn Isaacs welcome hi Katie so excited to be here I thank you for being here I'm so excited to have you here and I know the listeners are too um so before we kind of dive in and start talking about all things sexual l- tell me a little bit about yourself I I know you like we did before we started recording you guys Gwyn was saying that you know she's been listening to my show a little bit and kind of has learned a little bit about me but I kind of I'm going in a little bit blind so I want to hear your story oh my gosh um <laughs> So I have a, a, a very multifaceted story. I'll try to keep it to the sex stuff. Um, <laughs> so I'm a sex coach and educator. I've been doing that since about 2017. Prior to that, I wore a ton of different professional hats, all of which are interesting, but probably not relevant. <laughs> but I was always that kid that people would come to and ask questions, you know, sex questions yes. or or relationship questions. I wrote my first very bad, and I'm not a comedian, but uh, like I remembered how which one was horizontal and which one was vertical by saying when you get horny, you get horizontal at 11. Of course, I had no context that, you know, you don't need to get horizontal when you're horny, but whatever. (laughs) It was the thing that helped. It was the mnemonic for me. So that's who I am. That's where I've been my whole life. And then- Um, you know, I, I had a pretty intense personal sexual journey. Mm -hmm. And when I realized that I could do this as a job Mm -hmm. and help people, um, hopefully never have to feel the way that I felt, I, I was right there. I was like, yeah, sign me up. And I took a really intense certification program and I've been practicing ever since. That's amazing. And I'm so glad that there's more people doing, there's people that do this. I think it's so needed. And sometimes I feel like sex coaches can be hard to find. I don't, and I mean, I do live in like a pretty conservative area in the Midwest. So that is probably a huge part of that. But I mean, I, I feel like it's, it's very needed, especially in, you know, today's day and age. And I too, you know, have, have had quite a, what did you call it? Like your sex journey and the sexuality. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. same. So I think we all, myself included, can, could benefit from a sex coach. Kind of tell us a little bit too, you know, about what your big, me- your main message for your clients are. Like what's kind of your niche as far as sex coaching? What do you like to focus on, specialize in, or really communicate to all your clients? Well, the The biggest thing that I like to communicate is that we are all okay and that whatever your desires are, are okay. Assuming that, you know, you don't want to harm yourself or anyone else. Um, What I specialize in is kink and polyamory, but 
I take clients in any situation. Mm, I take clients in lots of situations. <laughs> yeah. So have you like, I mean, do you take, do, do you ever, have you ever had a, like a potential client come to you and say like, I have these fetishes that are dangerous or are unhealthy or do want to hurt someone else? Like, I mean, for me, you know, cause I'm also a, a psychologist and a therapist, like one you know, hard stop for me that I just don't think that I've never had to work with anyone like, and I don't know if I could do it is like pedophilia. Like, I don't, I don't know if I could do that. Like, is that something that you're open to exploring, like helping clients like form healthy associations with their sexuality and find healthy things that they like? Um, yes. And if it was something like that, like pedophilia specifically, um, or intense self-harm, mm -hmm. I would ask that they also see a therapist. Yeah, because no, really important. I don't have that level of training. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I do a lot of therapy with clients, but we always discuss the fact that I am not, I don't have a master's degree. I don't have that, that license. Mm -hmm. um, I well, have and we been know. in therapy for, you know, decades. So <laughs> yeah, and we know that, I mean, a lot of individuals that, you know, have fetishes or I don't even know if we want to call it a fetish, but that have um pedophilia or whatever i mean they likely have had significant trauma and likely sexual abuse in their own history so obviously therapy is super important to it absolutely that. yeah absolutely and 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 more than that someone who comes seeking help for pedophilia is far less likely to actually do it that's true that's true um they they tend to fall into you know the ocd categories mm -hmm. or or mm -hmm. uh other things that i again i'm not actually qualified to diagnose <laughs> yeah it's just but i have dealt with people who have other relatively extreme taboos and um and i always fall back on if you're not harming yourself and you're not harming anybody else let's figure out how to explore this in a safe way and a lot of times the difference between wanting to do something actually and having a fantasy is vast. Yeah. You know, I mean, there are 75% of women uh, self-report that they have rape or ravishment fantasies. I don't know a single woman who actually wants to be raped. Okay, yeah, no. And that, okay, that's a great point because I like love, you know, like, well, I, yeah, no, I still do. I love all like those romance books, like Fifty Shades of Grey. 365 I'm like when they're like the guys like super possessive and then in real life I'm like oh my god I would absolutely hate that <laughs> you know yeah. like I think that is super normal and it should be normalized of like some of the things you th or think about sexually or the type of porn you like to watch or whatever you know doesn't mean that you want to act on it or do it and I think sometimes people feel a lot of shame for that even absolutely. having the fantasy of that yeah. I mean, I know lesbians who like watching gay male porn for what gets them off. And clearly they're not interested in being a gay man. Yeah. So, wow. So, Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what we want to consume and what our brains do when we're uh, trying to get into the mood really doesn't mean anything for what you actually physically want to do with your body. Yeah. It can, but it doesn't have to. So do you, do a lot of clients come to you and want to work toward like trying out some of their fantasies? Like when do most people take 
the get to the point of hiring a sex coach? Like most commonly, what are your referral concerns for from clients? Well, it's, it's so, it's really such a wide, people come to me for all sorts of different reasons. Um, I've had a lot of women who came to me because they grew up in very conservative or even purity culture backgrounds. Mm. And after 20, 25, 30 years of shutting down their sexuality, now they're having trouble accessing it. Mm -hmm. um, I've had people come to me with mismatched libido issues where mm. they want more or less than their partner and trying to figure that out. Um, I've definitely had people looking for uh, gender exploration and what that means to them or kink exploration. And, you know, uh, I'd say that the, the biggest question that I get, which is um, one that we try not to use, is am I normal? Mm. That, that at least 75% of what, if I boiled everything down, it would come to am I normal? Um, and the answer is always yes. <laughs> yeah. Always. No, but I think that's, that's a, it's a good point to make, or, you know, a good thing to put shed light on is that we all just kind of want to be seen and not judged. And sexuality is such a vulnerable, intimate part of our, of, of our lives that we all collectively like experience, but in private, if that makes sense. So I think Absolutely. a lot of people question if they're quote unquote normal or if their desires or their yeah, we're not we're not taught anything about sex. If if we are lucky enough to have any type of sexual education from schools, it's uh it's dangerous and there are diseases, right? There's never anything about pleasure. <laughs> oh my God, forget. Well, I mean, you have about I don't know fifty percent of the country that I mean, maybe I'm I'm not. I don't you know what. No, I'm not exaggerating. In 2022, with everything going on in the world right now, it really is like fifty percent of the country. But I feel that there is a large group of people that don't believe in comprehensive sex education, and they think that we're poisoning children and that we're sexualizing children um, from a young age. And you know, I have a I, so I have a background in child development and educational psychology. So like education and children are my specialty and professionally. And I couldn't disagree with that more like that, we're, that schools are sexualizing children by delivering comprehensive sexual education. I was just in my Instagram DMs literally today arguing this issue with somebody <clears throat> and to me, it's just so clear, and I I really can't relate to like the the that argument that it, that it's up to the parent to teach the stuff to their child because I mean like the reality is we can say that all day long, but the reality is is that if we allow if we say that, then millions of children will never get sex ed ever. Yes, and so I have a, I have a few things to say about that. One one is if you take something off the table, the kid wants to explore it more. Like I don't know a kid yeah. that's not curious. Yeah. Um, second of all, if you treat it like it's a normal thing, again with that word normal, but natural, like because we have bodies and sexual function is a part of being a human. If we treat it that way, it takes away a lot of that stigma, and the kid is actually less inclined. <laughs> to yes. want to port pursue it it's well my my big point that i feel like i want to talk about too is that <clears throat> schools aren't just arbitrarily you know like the person i was arguing with today they're like well like why do why do fourth graders need to know all that and it's like 
the, the sex education that a fourth grader is getting doesn't it should not and does not look the same as the sex ed that a senior in high school would get yeah. Like we make sure that it's developmentally appropriate, but it does start from a pretty young age. I mean, and there are plenty of studies and and research and whatever out there that, I mean, people start masturbating as early as like, I mean, toddlerhood. Oh, in the womb. In the womb. Oh, well, okay. I didn't know that, but, but yeah, in the, in the womb because, because it feels good. Because yeah. our genitals oh, feel good know. to touch. You know what it means, but you know it feels good. And yeah, it, yeah, and and the moment you put shame on that, it makes it really difficult for kids. And really, yeah, fourth graders should be learning about things like boundaries. Yes. And and what body parts are, and what yes. their names are, and that's a that's really all they need. And and who to, and who to ask questions to. Right. And how to treat each other when, you know, like when, if you're not, like I was saying someone today, it's like, what if, uh, you know, or this fourth grade class, one girl was, you know, going through puberty super early and everyone in her class was making fun of her, like, because they didn't understand or they didn't know, or, you know, whatever. It's like, there are conversations to have with eight, nine, 10 year olds about our bodies and about sexuality that are developmentally appropriate. Yeah. And I remembered the third point, which is most teenagers don't really want to talk to their parents about this no they 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 want to have another trusted adult in their lives to talk to i mean i'm a sex coach my kids came to me by default but i could tell that they really didn't want to once they hit like 13 or 14 they're like yeah no i'm gonna talk to somebody else they would come to me with their friends concerns which <laughs> i think was really amazing um but but their own things they they just no that was too close for comfort and that's fine like i respect that you know yeah no i totally i i totally agree but i i, I do think that it, it's just amazing to me like being in the society that we're in now we're recording this right on the heels of this roe v wade overturn and you know that there's that's evoked so many emotions for women right guilt anger loss um grief sadness you know all all these feelings and then you have again like 50 percent of the population that have these toxic um i don't know like belief sets and rhetoric of like well you know keep your legs closed and just rat like use a condom or use birth control and don't get pregnant and and putting all the blame and shame on the woman right for having having to make that choice of an abortion and not now not all women having the right to do so based on what state they live in and it's but it's amazing because these same people that that have these like super super conservative beliefs about that also don't want to educate anybody about sex and they want to keep us all in like I feel like they want to keep people in the dark and quiet and it's like it to me they're they're such contradictory things it's like you don't want to educate people on how to keep themselves safe and how to prevent pregnancy from happening in the first place you also don't want to um give people the resources to act when conception is possibly taking place and you we should outlaw things like plan b or even birth control and furthermore we're going to force women to have birth and then we're not going to educate their children either and we're just going to keep going on this cycle and it's fascinating to me 
Well, it's not really about protecting babies' lives because no, if that were the not. case, they would actually, you know, pay for preschool and people would have maternity leave and other things that developed nations have all over the world. It's about keeping humans in line so that they can uh, maintain their power and greed. Yes. And it's just, and it, it does, I mean, it does invoke a lot of anger in me too, but I mean, it's just been so interesting. You know, I have a lot of different diverse people in my life and I have people in my life that sit at both sides of this argument and, you know, as calmly and as articulately as I can have discussions with people that, you know, are not pro-choice or whatever, or are just very pro-birth, um, it, I just, I can't relate to the logic. And, and I also have a really hard time understanding how they don't, how these, how they don't see how it doesn't add up. Like the math ain't math in here. I'm no mathematician, but like, <laughs> it makes no sense. Yeah. So, so it's like how in a, in a world like that, that, that we're in right now in a society that we're in as Americans, how do we even begin to become empowered sexually? Like, and now I'm, I'm reading women posting. I don't want to have sex. I, I don't, I don't, I don't even want to explore that anymore because I, I, I think the risks outweigh the benefit. Well, I can't blame them. Um, however, I would caution against shutting down your libido entirely because it really is a helpful part of being a human mm -hmm. um, sexual function, but it doesn't have to involve sex with anybody else. Yeah. Uh, you can absolutely uh, love on yourself and have wonderful, fantastic, euphoric orgasms, if that's even your goal. Having an orgasm doesn't need to be the goal of sex. Just feeling good can be a really powerful goal that a lot of women don't even know what it is that they want in order to feel good. I know so many women that, and it blows my mind because I've really never been like this. I've always I've always been, you know, more of a sexual being and I've gotten a lot of flack for that, even on this podcast of like talking about my, the, the little I do talk about my sex life, I get flack for it, um, in my, in my real life. But it's fascinating to me that I know so many women that don't have never masturbated and they're adults. They've yeah. never masturbated. And I'm like, that's sad. <laughs> or they've never had an orgasm before ever. Yeah. Yep, that kind of breaks my heart. <laughs> Me too. I mean, I, and not, yeah, like orgasms feel really good, but it, but like you said, I mean, it is a basic human need. Like it's, you know, it's on the Maslow hierarchy of needs pyramid, you guys. <laughs> it's at the bottom or close to the bottom. Sure. I mean, it's associated with the root chakra too, if you want to, you know, pull get, that into it yeah, too. Yeah, get new agey and all that. Yeah. Totally. But it releases, I mean, like just on a chemical level, feeling good releases hormones that help you feel good, right? It, it's a, it's a self-propelling spiral. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it, it's, I don't know, it's just, but it's one of those things that is supernatural and, but we as a collective don't see that as natural as like having a period or whatever. And I think that's part of what's wrong with the cultures that are so intensely um, uh, Sharia law, basically, um, mm -hmm. you know, that, that shut down sexuality, uh, conservative, religious-based, not all of them are that, but 
I think that once you shut down that sexuality, you shut down a whole part of who you are mm -hmm. and you forget how to access that. Yeah, no, and I, but, but it's like, no wonder. I mean, we're in a society that we can't even acknowledge that we are sexual beings that like have, like need to have orgasms or whatever. It's like, no wonder we're all ashamed for every kink or fetish or any yeah. sexual thought that we have. And then when all of that gets shut down, you are um, repressing who you are. And so you are much more likely to be an asshole to other people. <laughs> You mean, well, in general, or do you mean like in like relationally? Like, in, like I mean, romantic? in general, I mean, yeah. if, if, if you You're are gonna be grumpier, for sure, if, if you are a miserable stuff. person, you are far more likely to strike out at other people. Yeah. And I mean, how, like, I don't know. I feel like pretty often it's like, there's just some like crotchety, like old lady at work. And I'm like, damn, she really needs to like get laid or have an orgasm. It would just relax you so much. <laughs> it's right. Like, it's like just people are so on edge intense and it's like if you just you know had a little quick release you'd probably feel a lot better right it's like it's nature's uh uh nature's candy is the word that's coming to mind but um nature's uh, uh relaxation what are the chemicals like that happen um in the brain during an orgasm dopamine serotonin norepinephrine i can never get that one norepinephrine thank you <laughs> Dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, norepinephrine, and there's one more. I always forget the fourth one. Not oxytocin. Um, no, it is. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Oxytocin. So the the gut brain connection is pretty important. Um, but I and this is really metaphysical, and I have no actual proof, even metaphysical proof for this. But it feels to me that if everything doesn't keep moving that stuff gets stuck right energetically you mean yeah mm -hmm. in an energetic realm and and then our whole being sort of gets stuck and we start shutting down and orgasm in specific or just even practicing feeling good on a regular basis um which you can do with music or, or you know a lovely picnic and sunset like all of that sort of helps keep things flowing in a way that you can access pleasure more frequently and feel better more often so what like how do you coach clients kind of through if a woman comes to you and is like i really need to like explore my sexuality i don't orgasm i don't masturbate like where do you start um okay for someone who would come to me with like they just they don't even just don't even touch themselves yeah i would start um with a lot of questions um, I start everything with a lot of questions, mm -hmm. um, and then we would we would sort of assess, you know, where the sticky spots were because I don't want to dive into that immediately, right? Because um, mm -hmm. that might put some people off, and and we want to um, first uh, praise them for being brave enough to come and do this because this is really hard. Yeah, and um, so so there's lots of that. And then it's a very slow start to, would you feel comfortable touching your breasts? Okay, mm -hmm. let's have you practice that. And then the next time we'll get together, how did that feel? And if it was too much, then I'd be like, okay, that's fine. Let's start with like gentle stroking on your arms and maybe your hair, maybe take a luscious bath. 
So we really want to start people with where they are. So just slowly kind of easing into sensuality and like being kind of one with your physical yeah sexuality no i think that's beautiful and i I think anyone could benefit from that really even if you do regularly orgasm just kind of go back and like explore some of those things especially like i don't know i think that that's healthy for everybody to kind of revisit and refresh themselves with their own sensuality self dates is honestly one of my favorite things to assign to people (laughs) yeah i love that self-love and like the whole thing like take yourself out to a movie get a fancy dessert um run a bath if that's the thing you like put on music that you enjoy like candles or scents like whatever you want to really talk to all of your senses and get them engaged and then proceed to whatever comes next just like on a regular date wine and dine yourselves ladies exactly Exactly. (laughs) No, I absolutely love that. So what about the women that, so I'm, because I, you know, I I think about all my listeners and their, and their different sexual experiences, but what about the women that either don't explore their bodies or just don't know about their bodies and they're trying to, maybe they're exploring, you know, that sensuality and, and orgasming them with themselves, or they're trying to figure things out with a partner And like, do you provide education or talk about, you know, like the physical, um, you know, what you're working with down there as far as like your vulva and your clitoris and all that? Because I did not, there was a lot that I thought I knew everything because I kind of was like you when I was like 11 and 12 and I was obsessed with learning about stuff. I would read all these books and like my mom would, you know, let me like, just, you know, it would like, you know, good books or whatever, but she would let me educate myself as whatever I was interested in understanding at that age. And I was kind of like the sex guru for some of my friends because they knew that I had all this literature. <laughs> and so I remember though, like even, so I learned, I thought because of that, I like knew everything about women's anatomy. And then like over the last year or so, I don't know if you guys have been watching like Netflix documentaries, but there've been a couple like Gwyneth Paltrow did a goop one and she did a mini series about women's sexuality. And then there was another one that's like, Oh shit, I'm blanking on the name of it, but it was like love and pleasure or something. And it was a mini documentary as well. And about just not just women, but just sexuality and pleasure in general. And they did a whole episode on women's anatomy and like I didn't realize the clitoris is not just a little ball of nerves it's actually like way bigger than that yeah and like more and I like they like showed like a they pulled out like a 3d diagram of a clitoris and then like someone else had like this clitoris pillow and I'm like oh my god I never knew it looked like that and I just feel like so many people like so many women do not even realize what their own body is or looks like or how it even works absolutely um i did an episode on the the clitoris i called it the clitardis because i'm a doctor who freak um (laughs) i I have a vulva puppet i i do needle felting and i actually the thing that i needle felt the most is clitorises um (laughs) because they're adorable um (laughs) and yeah i absolutely start with uh physicality anatomy because we don't know i mean i know women who are full-grown who didn't know that the urethra wasn't a part of the clitoris. They were surprised by the extra hole. Um, like the, that the urethra has an extra hole? 
yeah, that the oh. that the urethra isn't a part of the the nubbin of the clitoris that we see. Yeah, yeah, no, I know people don't know that they don't realize. We don't know, and so yeah, there's a lot of exploring um, your your body, and for people who, um, when they're at a place that they're ready to do that, I have them pull out a mirror. And, and and spend some time with that. Um, there are people who we can't go there and even getting them to stand naked in front of a mirror is a big deal, mm-hmm. um, which is fine. We Again, we start wherever you are. But um, f- when you're ready to actually look at your vulva, pull apart the labia and really examine it and, and figure out what feels good for you because it's going to be different for everybody. Well, and I think what struck me so much about when I was watching that Netflix documentary is that so many women came on and were interviewed about how they were really insecure about what their vulva looked like. And I was like, really? Like who? Because I I mean, I've de- I, I mean, I've taken a mirror and like looked at my vulva and I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's my vulva. I don't know. I never had drama. I never had any drama about it. So I was like watching this documentary and I'm like, well, first of all, I guess I didn't realize that until then that autonom like anatomically people's vulvas look very different it's like our nipples like they all look kind of different and our areolas and our nipple colors and whatever like vulvas look different too and so I didn't realize that a lot of women a lot of women have the question is my vulva normal oh yeah is it or is it ugly or whatever and like they don't they don't like it or they have a hard time with their vulva and then I mean, and then I start kind of thought about it. I'm like, well, yeah, there is a plastic surgery procedure called like a labiaplasty or whatever, where you can get that redone. But I really just thought that was like just for porn stars, like real people actually care. Like, like I had no idea until I watched this. Well, because holy shit, because we have no um, education at all. Uh, All we get is entertainment porn, right? And because it's all through not all there are some wonderful feminist porn makers out there and if you're interested in that just search that term feminist porn and you'll find some amazing pornography people of different sizes and shapes and colors and abilities and disabilities it's fantastic Mm -hmm. um but uh because the basic porn is you know the it's sort of this unshaved pussy that is very perfectly symmetrical we don't have any real it's all tucked in yeah there's no concept of when the inner labia is larger than the outer labia which happens a lot like really more common frequent yeah Yeah. it's very common yeah so there there are a couple of really amazing books the one that i can remember right now is called petals um and it's just gorgeous pictures of different vulvas it's at my birthday weekend I had went on a a trip a couple weekends ago for my birthday and we all at the table I don't even remember how we got on the topic but we like I looked up a picture of like a graphic of like all different labias and I'm like okay everybody like what does your labia look like and we had this like (laughs) this conversation about everybody's labia is different and like hey ours we're like labia sisters and like it was really funny but but also I do like having some of those conversations of just normalizing like it's just our different bodies like totally there's a really wonderful instagram artist that i can't again remember oh the vulva gallery and she does heard about this yeah she does really beautiful uh line drawings of different vulvas um yeah if you it's much like 
being fat part of the way that you address, I am also fat, um, part of the way that you address normalizing that is to include more views of it in your life. So following other, you know, fat activists, following um, people who post pictures of beautiful vulvas um, in all their different shades and shapes uh, just really helps your brain associate that this is okay. This is natural, this is normal, and you are not irregular. There's yes. nothing broken. Yes. I will say, since I've made a point to follow, like, pervy Instagram influencers, my insecurity, just by doing that alone, like, my insecurities about my body have significantly decreased. Uh, because, a- you know, I'm just, I'm I, my feed is is predominantly, like, bigger women living life. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and being empowered to do so and not like, I just don't have all these like teeny tiny little like blonde and yeah. all over my feet. I just, it's not healthy for me personally. Cause I don't look like that. So, you know, ha- and it's the same thing for people of color. And I mean, I, you know, and I've made a point to try to follow like more influencers of minorities and just people trying to change the narrative. Um, and it's so, like that whatever. with sex and sexuality yes. too. Yes, it's exactly exactly like that. Yes, exactly. And following more, um, I just started following an account. I can't remember what podcast episode, but somebody recommended to me. It's called like the love crave Mm, or something. And they talk about, I don't, I, they talk about masturbation all the time and just like techniques and different toys. And it's just like, but in like a really healthy, um, in like sexually empowered way. And accounts like that, I just, I, I enjoy people bringing more of that to the internet um, because we're just inundated with content on a constant basis. And, uh, you know, I, what I am consuming, I want to be um, positive to, to me and to other people. And so I love, I love accounts like that. And I do think it's important in, in any conversation about sex to remind the people that what you see in porn and like, you, you know, typical you know playboy maxim whatever it just isn't it just isn't reality but i think a lot like we still are really i think a lot most women are you know still struggle or up against that narrative every day and there's a lot of shame for women and their sexuality it's really hard to be an empowered woman right now yeah well as one of my colleagues reed mahelko says you don't learn to drive from watching the fast and the furious true so why do you think you're gonna learn how to do sex from watching porn true. it's entertainment it's it's not education even even feminist porn which is lovely is still entertainment mm-hmm. no i totally agree and i mean i i mean i don't know when i realize i, I don't know i mean i i, I think about you know, my I, I exposure to porn, I feel like I was exposed to porn at a young age. I was talking about my friend with this the other day. We were talking about his kids, like when um cable had like the premium channels like HBO and like Cinemax were like on your regular channels. And after dark, it would like softcore porn would come on. And yeah. like that was like me and like, I'm like a I'm a mid like I'm I'm a, a millennial and so many of people my age. Like that is how they were educated about what sex was, was like watching softcore porn of like HBO after dark. Yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah. so not realistic at all. I don't know. I, I think it's, it's really, 
sad that <laughs> that that's the state of things. And then knowing, you know, now in 2022, where we're supposed to all be empowered and be able to talk about things. Now we've been handed down this Roe v. Wade oh decision. And it's like, what a blow. And I think about so many of the women, even that I just know personally, that deserve to be empowered sexually, and they're not. And I think when I, I too, I keep saying like sexual empowerment, you guys, and I think a lot of people relate that term to just kind of like being a whore and having sex with whoever you want or being really careless about who you have sex with and I don't think that's not that's not I mean that can be a form of sexual empowerment but that's not doesn't encompass it that it's empowering to abstain because it's like oh I'm actually finding ways to empower myself and love myself and develop a relationship with myself. And that kind of goes back to what we were saying in the beginning of the episode of taking yourself out on dates and being sensual with yourself. And I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to sexually empower yourself, you need to start with you and understand yourself. Yeah. Every single time. The, the best way to figure out what you want is to do it by yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, there are people who are like, I don't know what I want, and I'm in a long-term monogamous relationship. And so, okay, well, then, you know, we can include your partner in this, but there's also going to be time that I'm going to ask you to just do stuff by yourself. Because you, it's really hard to share what you want if you don't know what that is. And if you're doing that with someone else, it's hard to separate, especially someone that's been in a long-term monogamous relationship, it's hard to separate your interests from wanting to please your partner so is that typically the approach that you use when couples come to you of like we just really need to spice it up like we have the same formula for how we have sex and have for years and like we're bored as fuck and like like how like is that where you start of like who are you as individuals um i could I I don't know that I have. I'm trying. I'm thinking back about on the the folks that I've helped with. I I I call it a groove because calling it a rut feels um unpleasant. Yeah, yeah, a groove. <laughs> oh, I like it. That that being said, I'm I'm actually dealing with my own groove right now. Um, and so that's it that's fine. For everyone, you guys, it, even sex coaches hit a groove. It's true. It's true. And um, I mean, part of. Okay, I'm not going to speak for you. But most therapists that I know are a little bit crazy. Yeah, no, yeah, you can speak for me. I'm totally fucked up. <laughs> most, most sex coaches come to this because we've had some of our own issues. Yeah. Um, and part of what I think helps me be a good sex coach is trying to stay on top of that and being really self-aware, mm-hmm. um, which is not easy. It's hard, but it's important. So I keep at it. Um, so if someone, if a couple came to me and they were stuck in a rut, I, I would first start again with lots of questions and then I might make some suggestions just to see how they land. Um, you know, have you tried, uh, sex on the kitchen table? Um, have you tried, uh, making sure that you're both in the same mood at the same time? Have you played with mood? Mood can be such a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cause sometimes you might want to be playful and sometimes you might want to be serious and sometimes you might want to be sensual. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you might want it to be rough. And then, of course, if you're a woman, that might change 20 times in the middle of what you're doing. Yeah, I can attest to that. So um, I I would talk to them about communication. Because a lot of times I feel like that's where there's a breakdown. 
um, that they don't feel comfortable really talking about what their desires are. I would find out if they know what their desires are. Um, I would find out if they had some hidden fantasies that they weren't sharing with each other. Like I might do a couple session and then a, a one-in-one session so that they can feel open with me. Um, there are a lot of different ways that that can go. So I, I don't want to say that this is the one way I would do that because it really depends on the couple. Yeah. And that makes sense. And even, you know, like watching some of these documentaries I've watched, we, we, they did an episode about couples and they showed all these different therapies and modalities that couples were kind of treating being stuck in a groove. And it was, it was just fascinating that there are so many ways to do it. But also what made me kind of sad is that like so many of them have just been in grooves for years and didn't do anything about it and just kind of accepted that this is the aging process or this is what it means to be in a long-term monogamous relationship for 10, 15, 20 years. Right. And that's just not true. No, it's not true at all. And, and sometimes you can have people ask people to do exercises that have nothing to do with sex to just sort of practice using those muscles. Mm -hmm. Um, so for instance, I had one client who had a really hard time voicing his interests to his wife um making decisions uh you know she she was clearly the 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 leader in the household and so i had him do things like energy yeah very i mean they were not in a dom sub relationship that would be a whole different set of realities um but you know not calling it that but she wore the pants you know i love yeah totally (laughs) yes yes (laughs) people have energetics and and they fall into categories um and so I had him do things like ask her to get the mustard if she was standing instead of getting up and getting it himself. Hmm. You know, really like it. So once you can identify where the problem is, then you can figure out all sorts of different ways of addressing that problem. And some of them are, are going to play out in the bedroom or the kitchen table. And I some mean, those of them. Subtle things I'm going to say, like, that's like kind of hot like you know like and yeah if you're not used to that from your partner and then he's like asking you to do stuff and you've been wanting him to do that like that even just that simple act of you assigning that like probably creates sexual more sexual tension or energy or whatever that exactly. does translate you know to the bedroom later on or in the moment who knows <laughs> but, yeah because cool. If we're stuck in a rut in our sex lives, we're probably also stuck in a rut in our TV watching or what we do for other entertainment or where we go out to eat. And so shifting all, any of that can help shift everything else. Totally. And I also think doing some of those, you know, smaller or not as like j- j- directly sexualized things can also take pressure off the couple too. Mm -hmm. And, you know, of of needing it to look a certain way or be a certain way. And like, for example, I think there is this misconception amongst partner, like um, heterosexual partners, whether you're in a like long-term relationship or you're not, where it's like, there's this huge expectation and pressure about the orgasm. And I know we've talked about orgasming, but I, but like, I think I, I know of so many men that are like measure their success as a partner by if they can get their female partner off. Uh And like the reality is, is that that is one measure, but it's not the only measure. And it's also, I mean, there's a whole other set of statistics and research about how difficult it can be for some women to orgasm. 
75% of women, depending on the study, I've seen between 75 and 85% of women need clitoral stimulation to orgasm. Just, that's and it. I, and like, I feel like <laughs> I hear that stat all the time, but I don't feel like it translates to like real life. <laughs> like there's right. still this like, oh, you didn't finish? Really? And I'm, it's like, right. That, that makes me feel good. Thank you. There are, um, there are, tools and toys that uh, people can use to address that. I know that a lot of people have stigma around that, but yes, it, but, but why, like, are you going to um, do what I did and pound that nail into your wall with a brick because you don't want to go to the store and buy a hammer or are you just going to pick out your hammer? You That's know, a great <laughs> like... analogy, but it's seriously, I mean, there are guys like that are not open to toys at all. And and I don't understand that at all. It's like, oh, they're taking away, like, my ability to make you come. And it's like, well, what if you, again, same analogy you just used. Like, what if that tool just doesn't work for that? Right, like, you're not going to pound in a nail with a wrench. Like, and also, yeah. <laughs> and also, um, it doesn't need to be an either or thing. Yeah. There, there's a, there's this really delightful tool. I am not going to remember the name of it at all. It's a vibrator that is designed to sit right on top of your vulva while you're having penis and vagina intercourse hmm. so that it's stimulating your clitoris while you're also having intercourse. Um, so that's you're getting, all, I, that's awesome. And I know that there, I mean, there's so many, you guys, if you, like there are so many toys out there for every situation and whether you're you know a male to female partnership or you're female to female or you're male to male like there are so many toys out there that can uh increase your quality your sex life quality quality of sex life (laughs) i i am so passionate about that and like that when like when guys i when i'm in conversations with men i'm like that is like the one takeaway from this conversation is like maybe just be more open to trying different things and using toys it does it but there's this weird like masculinity toxic masculinity thing that's like oh well like i feel like it's replacing me or like it makes me not as effective as a partner yeah and and so for someone who is with a guy who had that type of concern um, I would recommend getting something that didn't look like a penis. <laughs> Just so, so start with, a, you know, maybe not start with an insertable toy. Start with something that looks, you know, like the rose or a, a magic wand or um, yeah. the, the Hitachi magic wand, not not Harry Potter's magic wand. Although that could be fun, too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> might be a little bit more like a penis than what I'm recommending. But, you know. Like there, there's so many shapes and colors and sizes and like it, and it really doesn't have to be an either or. And then you can start experimenting together too. Like, you know, sometimes I know not in their twenties and thirties, but guys start to get a little bit tired. And then, especially if they're tapped into this toxic masculinity concept where a hard cock is the only thing that is their manhood, um, <laughs> which is, you know, which I've so helped. True. I've helped men with this too. Um, yeah, thank <laughs> that, God uh, someone's doing the work. It's not my favorite job, to be f- quite honest, but I, but <laughs> I will. It's a dirty job, but someone's got to do it. <laughs> um, but you know, it, then they can experiment uh, using the toys on their partner, and yeah. so that they're they feel included. If if that's you know where the breakdown is. 
how would you work with a woman that wanted to try to like, cause so I have so many people that I know. Um, and I, you know, I'm asking for a friend, like not myself, but like, what if somebody use it, like is very open to using toys, for example, or, you know, uh, aids to orgasm and whatever that looks like for them and kind of relationship they're in, but they really want to explore other ways to achieve orgasm. How would you work with someone on that? Like if a, if a couple really wanted to like, they're totally open to using toys or whatever, but they just want to, tr- you know, try something else or try to use manual stimulation or whatever. But the woman has a really hard time orgasming that way and only knows how to orgasm this certain way. I feel like a lot of girls I know are like, if this isn't the exact temperature of the room and the condition and the toy, like it's not going to happen. <laughs> well, first, I want to acknowledge that that is real. Um, there's a, an amazing book by El- Emily Nagoski called Come As You Are that I cannot recommend enough to every person on the planet. Um, She talks about how uh, sexuality has a brake and a gas, right? Like in your car. Mm -hmm. And if the brakes are fully depressed and the emergency brake is on, there is no way that car is moving no matter how much gas you put, give it. Mm -hmm. So in, in those situations, I would start with, okay, well, where is the breaks for you? What's going on? Are you uh, freaking out about the things that need to be done tomorrow? Are you nervous that the kids are going to walk in? Um, do you need to make sure all your doors are locked? Like, let, let's take care of that first. Mm-hmm. And then I would really encourage play. Play without the goal first. So figure out, so you have this one way that you like to get off, but you really like want to open it up to other things. So take the orgasm off, take the pressure out of that situation, because a lot of times that will actually stop. That's another break, Mm -hmm. is that you're trying to have this thing happen. And so just remove that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just really, really remove that and spend, you know, 10 minutes just making out um and see how that feels yeah and you know and then just sort of stop and chill out and talk about it for a minute and then if you want to do something else spend you know another 10 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever like just getting a back rub Mm -hmm. and like figure out what it is that you actually really enjoy (laughs) and yeah i don't don't think people do that i think they just i mean i think people just kind of go on a lot of women go on autopilot when it comes to sex and I read a super interesting quote recently and it was saying that women it's like they said women have to focus on orgasming and men have to focus on not orgasming (laughs) in a sexual encounter and I was like you know I kind of feel that sometimes like I feel like a lot and um you know I've listened to you know, uh, several podcasts and literature and whatever about women's sexuality. And I, and I feel like a lot of it is, it's like breath work and figuring out, you know, what your mental blocks are and clearing those and really being able to be present and open and calm and like super, super, just not pressurized, but focused. Yeah. And And it's like, and then you hear guys that are like trying to like think of like the biggest turn off that they possibly can to like hold off or like, you know, and like, 
it's just really interesting to me, like how that dynamic is different for a lot of women I know versus their male partners. So I've um, actually been sort of experimenting with this. I had the most incredible, awful orgasm. Like I didn't think it was possible that you can have a bad orgasm, but I did. Um, And since then, I have been really playing with the things that bring me to that incredible Oh, orgasm. <laughs> yeah, you know when you have one of those. You're like, that's what that is. Right. And yeah. it's kind of the same thing that I would tell a guy. I would not tell him to think about things that turn him off because that's that it, that does weird things to the brain. And I don't think it's entirely it doesn't healthy. Sound, it does not sound <laughs> healthy whatsoever. <laughs> um, I would encourage him and I would encourage her to just take a break. Like, just... Yeah. It's okay to stop. The The fancy word for it is edging, right? Yes. <laughs> so, yes. but the, the not fancy word for it is just hold off for a second. It doesn't mean you have to uh, pull out or, you know, start thinking about baseball scores or anything. Just take a second. God, this sounds so fucking woo-woo. But just breathe together, <laughs> you know, like just recenter yourself. Like yeah, just that's be so like, hot though. Like you should do that. It, it it doesn't like take away from the experience. If you start thinking about like your grandma in the middle of sex. Yeah, no, that's you. Like gross. <laughs> versus like versus like let's just take a second to breathe because I'm like nah, I don't I want to continue this experience for orgasming. Like that sounds way feels way better. Not just sounds, feels better than like I remember I had an ex-boyfriend that was like, yeah, sometimes I just like picture dogs taking a shit. I'm like, what? Oh my oh God. God. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, that's not okay. <laughs> like, and I'm out here like, focus, focus, focus. <laughs> right, right. And, 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 and honestly, whoop, bump the mic. Um, it, both extremes are not great. You know, like no. it's, 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 you want to be as present as possible. Um, yeah. And so figuring out what that takes, I have anxiety. I am constantly running through to-do lists in my mind. Um, And so, you know, when I'm having sex with my partner or even with myself, frankly, I have to be like, it's okay. We don't (laughs) need to worry about that right now. Just focus on one thing. And then um, I I do, I pick a thing to focus on. scent or sound I'm really big into music so I'll just be like follow you know follow this riff and that'll help me get back into the 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 flow as it were um yeah and so that's what I would recommend yeah it's just it's so interesting because like it all goes full circle of like just the things that people kind of latch onto because we've had such this lack of like comprehensive sex ed and uh you know of how to uh, not even just like the anatomy of our bodies and consent and um all those really important topics but also just how to seek pleasure and how to share pleasure and in healthy ways (laughs) um we just don't we don't no one i no one i know you know learned that in any type of like healthy way like i can't i literally don't know one person that had like suit like at my age that had super like granola crunchy parents that was like i'm gonna teach you about pleasure like no, no. yeah no <laughs> I, I i certainly did not and honestly my kids probably didn't either because that's just sort of the way it happens and well, not because and i didn't but it 
it goes you know. against naturally mm-hmm. like the natural parent-child relationship I think I mean it's not yeah. like I don't necessarily I don't know I don't necessarily think it's require a requirement for parents to be like let's talk about your pleasure but it is a requirement for parents to like give their kids access to resources of like where. Well, and I think that what I did is just let it, you know, would sneak it into little things. Yeah, subtle, <laughs> like, very subtly, very subtle things. You know, um, not at all about sexuality because again, that would freak them right out. Um, they were already pretty freaked out. Like, oh, mom, the clitoris again. <laughs> <laughs> Your vulva pillow's out again, and I had a friend over, Mom. Oh, Put your my vulva God. pillow away. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, but I mean, it, it, but it starts from really little. I mean, when you have toddlers that are, you know, experimenting with their genitals and whatever, and they, like you said, it starts in the womb, right? Like, it feels good, and they don't, and we don't know why. It's like, there are ways to have uh, healthy conversations about sex and allow it, not shaming a child for just exploring their body and doing something supernatural. Um, which I think a lot of kids don't get either. So there's just a lot of shame around sex. And I think if you don't walk away from anything else with this episode for anything else today, I mean, it is that you are normal. And you're, as a woman, your vulva's normal. We didn't talk about men's penises, but if you're a man listening to this, you know, your penis is normal. Um, and your desires are normal. And, and like, if you're a non-binary person... Your genitalia is still normal. And yes, thank you. And uh, I mean, to be all inclusive, absolutely. Like, yes, you, no matter who you are, no matter who, what you identify as, you are normal. And women have penises, men have vaginas, and that's just the way it is. So if you're mad about it, this is the wrong podcast for you. I don't know. I don't think they're listening to you to begin they're, with. Yeah. <laughs> you'd be surprised when you'd be surprised. Okay. I have I a... guess I guess I would. I don't have any conservative family in my life, so oh, I, I am blessed in that reality. <laughs> I have very, very conservative family. So I I'm I honestly though, I think it's healthy for me to um be like consistently exposed to the uh, the way the other half thinks. Sure. It, um, I don't know. Keeps me. It keeps me. I, I at least I try to see it as a gift, right? Yeah. <laughs> I try to frame well, it that way. Of like, you know, of of how I I've learned how to have super healthy conversations with people with way different viewpoints than me. Well, uh, and that's that's the actual thing that will help influence people you know yelling at them on the internet really doesn't ever do anything exactly and these are people that respect me and love me and I respect them and love them and so it uh, it's like a totally different dynamic and it is I think it's it's really empowering to kind of incite change that way and like actually talk to people without all that the, the not without the defensiveness and and I'm not saying it never gets heated or you know I'm never like sure. shut the fuck up to you know when I'm like someone in my family but I you know for the most part I have seen it as a gift but yeah it you know I I think this podcast is all about honoring who everyone is and what I what they identify as and um just feeling all inclusive and that are we all deserve the same amount of love and pleasure and access to happy sex-filled lives <laughs> no yes. matter who you are so thank yes. you so much for being here with us today and sharing a little bit about the life of a sex coach and just you know important my pleasure topics. Yes. Absolutely. This has been delightful. Yes. Anytime. So you guys, if you want to listen to more about Gwen Isaacs and her 
sex coach work and more topics about sex, she has a podcast called What Excites Us. So definitely, I'm assuming it's on all most podcast platforms. As far as I know. Yeah, so definitely (laughs) check that out. And then if you want to learn more about her coaching services, um, there are like at least five people that I know are listening to this off the top of my head that you should look up her website. Um, Anyway, her her website link is earthlydesire.com. And I'm going to also link some of the book recommendations that Gwen made in the show notes as well. I'm going to be checking them out myself. Um, and I am just, I hope that you all walk away inspired to try something new, explore yourself in a way that you never thought of before and learn something about sex and pleasure. So thank you for being here again, Gwen. Truly. It's, it's my pleasure. This has been lovely. Yes. All right, ladies. It's been another fun week of bitch. You need to hear this. I know it was a requested episode. I hope I lived up to your expectations. This has been Bitch, You Need to Hear This. Okay, what did you think? Did you enjoy Katie? You should go check out her show. Subscribe. It's called Bitch, You Need to Hear This. And it's, like I said, and like you heard, super fun. I would like to hear more from you. I've heard little bits here and there, and I know I've been silent for months. But please, contact me. Let me know what you think. Write a review if you're listening on Apple or Spotify. Leave five stars. That's a super easy way to do that. Or send me a message. Go to my website. Do all the things. WhatExcitesUs.com You could even find me on Facebook. I'm Gwyn Isaacs and I'm super available. I would love to hear what you would like to hear from this show as I go forward and start talking again to other people. Maybe you have some episode ideas in mind that you'd love to hear me talk about. Maybe you just want to vent about something. That's all good. Let me know. I would really like this show to be more of a conversation than just a one-way output. I guess that's all. I really love you. Talk to you later.